Hello there. Welcome to Automation Impact Podcast. My name is Edward Slopetsky. I'm UiPath MVP and founder of Active Automation. In this podcast, together with UiPath Most Valuable Professionals and other guests, we are sharing our experience and best practices in intelligent automation. To learn more about the podcast, visit automationimpact.io. There, I also post short summaries for each episode. Also, you can contribute to the development of this podcast by subscribing and sharing it with your colleagues, friends, and community. Let's learn and grow together. Enjoy listening. Hello, everyone. Today is a special episode, at least from my end. I was expecting it and waiting for it for a quite long time. We are recording today with Lahiru Fernando from Sri Lanka, who is UiPath Most Valuable Professional and Executive Lead and in Boundaryless Automation. As of today, Lahiru is quite active community member of, of UiPath community, and back in the past, he spent quite a long time as a solution architect. So today, our to- topic would be role of solution, ar- solution architect in RPA lifecycle. But before we jump in, Lahiru, welcome. Hello, Edward, and hello, everyone. So maybe before we jump into um, solution architect topic, I would like to understand your background. So maybe you share uh, a little bit about what did you study, how did you get to automation business, and what brought you to today's meeting, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my journey, actually, it started in... 2011, as soon as I got out of uh, university and back then I didn't know much about automation and I haven't heard about UiPath or anything like that or I didn't know about RPA basically. Uh, So at the time I joined uh, one of the local banks as an intern to understand how things are happening in the corporate world. So from there, I realized that I actually got the opportunity to work with different areas, uh, business intelligence, software development, uh, support and maintenance, basically almost all the functions that of a IT team. And somehow I ended up with business intelligence and that's where I started my career as a BI engineer. And I have been in that uh, for basically that area for quite a long time for like uh, seven to eight years and over time I I was learning about AI machine learning up to a certain extent because I had a lot of interest in that area and when it comes to business intelligence and data science that's what kept me going that interest on AI mostly and recently a couple of years back uh, the company i worked for they wanted to get the partnership with uipath and they wanted us to do the certification and that's where i heard about uipath and everything about rpa and when it when i started with, with rpa i just logged into academy and started learning UiPath from scratch and somehow with that I developed a lot of interest in it because as I just uh, told you I had this interest in AI machine learning 
and this robotic stuff and i got the opportunity to now try it out so it i was really interested in that and then i was because i had that uh, software development background it was easy for me to grab whatever uh, they are teaching in the academy and that technical background especially with the language it was easy for me to understand uh, so with that i was able to complete the certification just within two weeks and and then i joined the uipath forum because i after doing that i was really interested in this and i i really really wanted to know what people are doing with this tool and how this robotics is actually happening so i joined the forum to understand that and also to uh, get more understanding of this tool and everything and there i made a lot of friends and that's how i was and i am super active there <laughs> uh so because of that i actually uh, got connected with a lot of people and now they personally talk to me almost every time to get to know a lot of stuff and i also get to learn a lot of things from them and through that i was able to understand what kind of projects they are doing in the industry how they are dealing with it and what sort of problems they are facing while doing that uh and what are the roles involved solution architect business in, uh analyst developer and infrastructure guys almost everything so with that yeah so with that i was able to get an understanding about not only just development but also about infrastructure about business analyst uh, role of that and what kind of a role is a solution architect is doing so basically it was kind of a 360 degree uh, learning for me and with that i also got the opportunity to start off with the first rpa team in our company by starting off with a simple uh, internal automation that we planned and i got the chance to uh, help and build a team there get them certified and finally we got five certified people including infrastructure guys including business analyst solution architect and that was me so how i got into uh, the solution architect role is kind of interesting with all that experience i gained while interacting with the people in the forum by learning a lot of things and especially with the background i had because i am from the technical uh, side so that helped me to and by the time i was also kind of a from the bi side i was a senior engineer at the time and especially with the interest uh, the, i actually told my company that i would like to change my career path to rpa and they also supported me for that and they helped me a lot from basically the management i would really like to thank them for all the support they gave me and they also offered me to train the guys and lead the team and that's was my initial step towards the solution architect role so i started as a lead developer 
with the internal automations and then I slowly moved into the solution architect role and, and also played the lead developer role as well. Got it, got it. Uh, you have mentioned several topics and I actually, while, while you speak, I am taking some notes on that because there are, uh, I think that the, with, with every answer, there, there may be even, even more questions coming. So the first question from my end is, you mentioned that you had a lot of interest to AI back then, even before you started to work with UiPath. At that times, were you diving into AI on your own or it was also part of your uh, role description or however you call it? part of your position where you had time also to discover it while working or it all of this was done after hours, like after working hours time? Um, well, with the work, it was kind of limited, but I get the, I got a couple of opportunities to dive into AI and the stuff, but not much. So it's mostly my personal uh, learning most of the time. Got it. And talking of uh, business intelligence, what tools were you using? Just probably some people who are also having now business intelligence background would be curious to her and, and would say, ah, exactly, this is what I'm using as well. So what, what tools you were working at in? Yeah, we were mostly on the Microsoft uh, technology and we were using Azure and reporting services, analytical services and all those stuff. And we were also using, up to a certain extent, the Oracle BI suit. Uh, so, but mostly it's Microsoft. Got it, got it. And one of the things you have mentioned also that you went, at, at some point, uh, your company started to, or signed a partnership with UiPath and, and you went to Academy and you did it in two weeks. As of now, still, knowing how patient you are, I wouldn't have doubts that even now you will have it done in two weeks. But I'm curious what year it was, because back then, you know, like UiPath Academy was also growing. So first there were all only developers training, they, they added the business analyst, etc. Now it is quite big library of different trainings, including also from MVPs as a content or community representatives as a content. So what year it was when you first time opened the UiPath Academy? It was 2019, January, early January, almost the first. Okay, so talking of UiPath, we are speaking about very soon it will be two years of, of, of experience working with UiPath for you. Yeah. Got it, great stuff. And talking of people contacting you, how much time it is taking for you nowadays? Because I believe that as further you go, the more visibility you get, the more people see you also as a problem solver, etc. Also, you're quite active on LinkedIn. Um, how, how many people are contacting you and how much time it was taking back then and taking nowadays to, to help and, and resolve the, the, the questions? Yeah, so back then I was mostly interactive with the people through the forum. And somehow I managed to, I actually had a lot of uh, mentees who really was following me and asking different questions. And um, back then, I think there were about mm, around 10 mentees who were, uh, who are really close to me. And they actually became very, very good friends, more than mentees. So. 
that's where I started and now actually there's more than that uh, because with a lot of things that we do over the social media the forum LinkedIn YouTube now people reach out from different countries and sometimes I haven't heard about them but they know a lot about me <laughs> so there are a lot of people now so it mostly uh, sometimes almost every day I end up talking to about at least 20 people a day on various Tw different things 20 people a day yeah that's crazy and those people are not from your organization right so we are talking about people who are completely outside of your professional relationship it is more like forum and community contribution right yeah it's mostly forum and community and sometimes through linkedin itself that's amazing and okay so the, the the second part of the question is 20 people a day how much time it takes in average of course like there are different questions and different topics and maybe not all of them you even resolve at the same day but those i mean how how much time it takes to talk to 20 people a day and not only talk but i assume that after you talk to them you also need to do and check something etc so how long does it take um sometimes it takes uh two to three hours trying to resolve some guy's problem so actually yesterday i spoke with a guy and he's he was having a problem with his chatbot and it took me about two hours to understand what he has done and where he's going wrong and to uh, solve that problem so depending on the problem they are talking about it sometimes takes more time and sometimes it's I just most of the time I just guide them but sometimes uh, people really need to talk to you and you know share the screen and personally have that uh, assistance so in that case I'm more than happy to help them however almost sometimes I uh, talk to people even at midnight <laughs> uh, so yeah that's crazy and for our listeners I make this is not the first time me speaking to Lahiru and knowing him already for quite some time as an MVP I always make a joke of him that there in Sri Lanka they have probably like something like 37 or maybe 41 hour a day but definitely not 24 because I assume Lahiru that besides uh, two or three hours of just helping your your small community or even not small nowadays uh, you still have work to do and recently you also became a father so like the the, the things are collecting one over another and, I, and we will still get there because we will be today speaking about the role of, of solution architect and we would we will be discussing in depth what you are doing while you're not helping others but somehow trying to work on on, on your company um, but before then Another question I have is when you say that you started with UiPath Academy and everything uh, after Academy, did you work as a developer or you directly went to this role of, I don't know, lead developer or solution architect? So after Academy, what was happening? Yeah, so after the certification, um, my role was kind of like a lead developer because uh, our company with that so basically uh, me getting the certification helped them to get the partnership so at the time I was also very much stressed with all the pressure that uh, they also having because they wanted me to get certified as I was 
uh, kind of like the guy was uh, who is so much close to get the certification uh, and they were also uh, following me from behind even just imagine even while I was doing the practical exam for the certification uh, some of the guys from our management were standing behind me <laughs> to see whether I am doing the certification and how much time left and all those stuff so it was very stressful but in the end it was um, it was a really great achievement so because of that they also wanted me to play kind of a leading role when it comes to RPA so I did the developer and I mostly did the lead developer role at the very beginning and then slowly moved into the architect role that's mainly because of the stuff I have been doing uh, like different I, I had published different components in UiPath marketplace and I have done a lot of stuff and a lot of certifications in the academy so they wanted me to uh, they actually wanted to recognize that and that's how I slowly moved into the architect role. Got it, got it. When you described the situation that management was standing behind you, I imagine them sta standing behind you with some gun or a baseball bat <laughs> and whenever you just turn a head back, they were saying, no pressure, Lahiru, no pressure, just just do your work. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have several yeah. people, just taking certification itself is not the most pleasant experience, right? There is a pressure from the time, pressure from the tasks, even if like when you are experienced, it, it, it is not the hardest task ever, but still it, it, it puts some pressure in. So I imagine how how it actually works when also someone stands behind you and, and, and also watch how, how you approach it or how you, you solve this or that. So it must be even even more ch challenging, I may assume. Yeah. All right. And then, so you move to this uh, solution architect role. At that point, you were leaving the company or maybe if not speaking of leaving, but overall, the largest team you were uh, leading, how big it was? And I, I speak about the corporate experience, right? So how did your team grow? How many people you had? What were the roles for these people? What was the background for, for these people? So were you the only one experienced developer and all the others you were taking as a juniors or your teams uh, consist of many like, I don't know, more software, software engineers? How, how the team looked like? Yeah, so it was kind of a mixture of uh, multiple domains. So I, uh, as the lead, I'm from the BI background. And then with me, uh, I helped a couple of other guys to get certified. And the next guy who was certified and he was like the, the next lead uh, developer for us. And he is from the mobile development background uh, from uh, Android and uh, iOS, all those stuff. So, and with that, we started with uh, two of us, and then uh, we got a couple of interns uh, to support the community as a uh, from in terms of RPA, and we got them certified as well after giving a very good training for mostly one and a half or two months. Uh, so we had two interns, the mobile guy, myself, and also we had another guy from .NET uh, background. So he's a .NET developer originally. So we had five people in, in the development team. 
and all five got certified just within uh, six to seven months after me getting certified so it was a uh, quite a hectic journey to get things moving and to convince people that RPA is, is a good domain to be because they all are from different backgrounds they just didn't start with RPA so with all those stuff and we had a lot of challenges in initiating this and starting it up and to get the support of the management uh, so it was challenging but it was a success at the end got it so from what you describe i i have you as a lead uh, with a background of business intelligence then there was another guy uh, with a background of mobile app development and you two were considering considered from the very beginning as the two guys leading that team and then what you mentioned that you got a couple of interns and later one more guy with dotnet experience joined you so it is five four five six people right what, what, what you yeah. were as a team right Okay, got it, got it, good. And what brought you to MVP role? So, I mean, for me, it's quite a rhetoric question, but still, I think that it makes sense to to highlight it for for our audience. How did you get to MVP role? Well, yeah, so it's mainly because of the community engagements. So even from the beginning, after getting the certification, I was very much engaged with the forum and trying to help people in different ways, contributing to the marketplace and and with all those stuff because I was kind of there day and night. Uh, even at midnight I used to have that mobile app, the forum mobile app in my phone and I used to reply to all those notifications like a crazy guy <laughs> who doesn't want to sleep. Yeah, so with that, a uh, lot of people uh, notice that I'm there all the time to help the people and especially from UiPath, the community managers and the guys who are managing the forum. So they wanted me to be one of their community moderators and they asked me to join as a moderator. So to help them with uh, different few other things to like organize stuff in the forum, trying to discuss and come up with different features to help the people. And likewise, by doing that, I got even more closer with the UiPath guys and got to know a couple of other people as well, who are like the product managers most of the time. And also, uh, with all those things happening, I also joined a couple of challenges that they had back then and I was able to win. So there were a lot of achievements and a lot of uh, prizes from their side. And so back then they had this nice uh, challenge. Every four months they used to select the most active guys in the forum in 2019 and I was able to be in that list in all all four quarters <laughs> okay so you, was it only one person or there were several people in the list so how was it? there were several people uh, so that list was depending on how many solutions you are providing and how many 
people that are following you and various different factors. Uh, so there was a list and I used to be on the, at least on the first three. <laughs> Got it. Crazy, crazy. So yeah. And, and still it is in addition to doing the regular work, right? So it, it wasn't your main job or something like that. So you were never employee of UiPath, I believe, and you were doing it in your free time, right? Yeah. So all those things led me to, uh, be a MVP. Uh, so that's how I am here. <laughs> Great stuff. And what would you recommend other people, like other community members who are now listening to us and people who are following you, following this podcast, what would you recommend those people to do to become a next MVP? Especially now, just maybe it is a good opportunity also to announce that UiPath already announced the new round uh, and new application round for UiPath MVP 2021. So I believe that when this episode goes live, it would still be open application. So if you are interested in becoming MVP, don't forget to go and register. But now Lahir will tell us from his perspective, what do you need to do to get to this MVP role as a one of the ways getting there? Yeah. So back then the, the community was different, but after the MVP selection we had in last March, uh, I see there's a lot of change in the community and where the people are contributing. So not like a couple of months back but now there are a lot of people who are trying to do various different things to help the guys in the community by creating videos and by doing their own sessions on YouTube or in different other media and writing articles uh, so it's quite a challenge now uh, and to do that they are also having the community events and they have the UiPath guys are also uh, recognizing different people from the community who are really active and who are really knowledgeable in certain areas like AI and RPA and most of the things. So if you are planning to or dreaming about being an MVP, the most valuable suggestion is be super active in the community and help the guys whenever you can and wherever you can with uh, in every possible way it can be just uh, simple messages in forum linkedin or any other social media platform and also try to share your knowledge in different uh, platforms and try to be try to show yourself in these community events because that's how you uh, show that you are knowledgeable in these things and you are capable of uh, making an impact in the community because that's what's needed and being an MVP you have to be the leader in doing all those things so that's the advice to you guys and I wish you all the best for this round of MVP selection and hoping to see some new faces as well. Yeah, no doubts, no doubts that there will be any faces. And Lahiru, maybe one thing worth mentioning, especially that you are a good role model here. I think that 
it starts with the mindset and 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 this you know like willing to help right so when i think that when you were super active on on the forums and all this stuff you're doing you were doing and still doing i don't think you were you were thinking back then about becoming an mvp or something like that yeah so you were doing it dri- driven by your passion yeah and about i uh, our listeners can't see now but there is a big smile on on hero face on when i'm mentioning that but um i think that first of all like it is about um, community is the, the, the special environment which helps you grow as well as you can help grow a community. So it is, I think that this is something what is, I would say this is a knowledge multiplier, right? So you put one piece of information there and all the other people there would put some their knowledge from which you can benefit as well. So the main driver is even if you don't get into 2021 MVP role, there will be plenty other opportunities. And even if we are not speaking just about the MVP, but overall engagement will be definitely visible, right? So you don't necessarily... uh, realize that, that, that this MVP round or maybe you you are late for applying or something like that still I think that you will be definitely recognized on the forum and other platforms if you are active community member yeah so it is not only about the becoming MVP but now there is a great opportunity to become one but also overall to boost your knowledge to boost also your I don't know, not only technical skills, but I believe Lahiru with talking with that many people daily, I think that your social skills definitely must must grow as well, especially that I know that you also attend different presentations and different other activities besides the forum, right? Yeah, so apart from forum, I used to do certain uh, YouTube videos on different topics and we, uh, both of us, presented in the DevCon the the largest event that your path had so there were there are a lot of things that we do apart from the forum and some of the things are behind the scenes like uh, having discussions and collecting feedback to improve the ui path products so there are a lot of things that we do Uh, yeah yeah Good. And now diving into solution architect role after extended introduction, but lovely. And, and, and I was enjoying listening about this, this background and still from what you have said and, and just following you on LinkedIn, I know that this is maybe, I don't know what, 20% of what everything you are doing also in universities, some events and, and other stuff. So it is, um, it, it, it is impressive. Now going to solution architect role itself. Maybe before we start talking about specifics of the role, how would you describe this role? Who is the RPA solution architect? Yeah, so uh, the simple introduction to a solution architect role would be, uh, as I see, solution architect is kind of like the uh, most knowledgeable guy in this uh, RPA uh, side. Who, is, who also knows to solve problems and who also knows to do the development when needed and also to design a solution for any problem that people put in, in front of you in terms of automation. So that capability and that experience that you have by... Uh, so to be that guy you have to have some level of experience in in the technology itself and what are the features and capabilities that uh, 
uh, these technologies are offering and also you have to know various different ways of solving these problems because sometimes uh, just knowing the automation might not help because there are various different uh, processes that we come across in organization in various different domains and sometimes uh, people come up with uh, various different questions and maybe a simple fix can help solve their problem and it it doesn't need to be automation as well and maybe some uh, optimization in their process uh, or certain uh, few changes of how they are doing things and various different stuff uh, yeah so with that with all those experience and the technology technol technical experience that you have that combined together will help you to be that uh, solution architect got it and if now you are to hire one yeah so and i think it's not hard to imagine especially after your transition to a new company if tomorrow you are to hire and a solution architect what would be the requirements so maybe in terms of years of experience knowledge of technologies uh, mindset what uh, what would be the prerequisites or what what would be the criteria uh, for you to hire a solution architect um, yeah so from UiPath platform we would always look for a certified guy uh, because they need to know the technology and the concept behind it and also we would look for the experience like uh, at least five to seven years of experience uh, in this domain and it's, it can be with UiPath or various other uh, automation tools out there and collectively if they have at least uh, three to four experience with UiPath and with some experience with other technologies as a developer and as a, as a lead developer as well, that will be very much helpful because they have seen the problems and they have done a lot of stuff and they know how to solve problems. So that's what we need. And also a little bit of uh, business understanding, not only just technical side because Mostly when it comes to the solution architect role, what I have been doing is I had to support the business analyst who is actually going through uh, the process and trying to understand the assets steps and uh, they also come back saying, hey, this is the process that we identified and mapped. So how are we going to automate? And architect has to support the BA uh, in terms of the solution and with the 2B process. So it, they need to know uh, the technical and the business side. Uh, so that experience is what's needed as a solution architect. Got it. And what about like solution developers? So if you have more or less the same profile or maybe f like few years of experience in development and then extended knowledge of uh, UiPath, etc what would be the main difference between solution architect role and senior RPA developer role? Um, yeah, with that, the difference would be uh, the senior developer 
will be mostly on the technical side uh, trying to uh, lead the team in automation and guide them along to uh, maintain the best practices and the other development stuff but solution architect he's not really focused on the development itself he has a wider scope so solution architect has to take care of the entire architecture of the solution because once the assets process is mapped and once you identify what has to be done and where has to where it has to be automated and how it needs to be automated he is the guy who is laying down the entire design for the solution so that require a little bit of a high level or a bird's eye view of the entire situation that so if we focus on just development he won't be able to see the other areas outside that so architect is a little bit on top of that trying to do various other things while focusing on the development so it take me includes uh, support for the business people trying to understand the business scenarios and also proposing different other solutions while to try to get it aligned with the solution they are proposing so there are a lot of things to do got it and now we are getting slowly into the main responsibilities of solution architect and here i would propose to split it into three categories you partially already described it and now we will be diving in so um the three categories which i would split it to would be the people aspect documentation and development because i believe that solution architect is deeply involved in all three in in difference to for example senior developer right so you deal with with many people mainly like tailoring uh business side and developers as well as helping business analysts as you mentioned already etc then documentation itself we would have a extended discussion about the solution design document and then development aspect because i believe that as a solution architect you still are involved in development the question mark if you still develop as a solution architect but you definitely guide other developers of of how to approach it in in the best way right so let's start with people aspect what kind of stakeholders you have there when when it comes to when it comes to people so you have developers you have business in business maybe you name what are the main representatives so let's dive into a people topic who do you work with as a solution architect mm-hmm. yeah so every time we start off with a project uh, the solution architect is the guy who is going to be involved in it uh, first from the technical side along with the ba so from my experience i have been working with business analysts trying to understand the solution and then the lead developers and the other development team we have to get the solution developed so that's from our side but if we are also needing to provide much wider solution just apart from development then we need to contact or get in touch with our infrastructure guys and support and maintenance people so all those communications from the technical side is going to happen from the solution architect as my experience 
because based on what i have experienced and in most of our uh, projects that i have been involved in uh the most of the communications were from from our team it's the mainly the ba and then the develop development team but there were scenarios where i had to guide the infrastructure guy as well to uh, get them aligned with the solution and to provide a much better infrastructure solution from their side and then it goes to the support and maintenance people when the project is live so architect role is uh, connected with all these areas and that's from the solution side but when it comes to the business you are the guy who is mainly involved with the process owner and the process SMEs who are really doing the hands on thing uh, because you have to be there and you have to see them doing the exact uh, project or process steps to understand what they are doing and to provide a solution so you are pretty much involved with the clients management the SMEs project owners and basically with everyone who are involved who is reporting to solution architect you mentioned many different stakeholders but i'm sure that not all of them are reporting to solution architect and maybe to some solution architect is reporting himself or herself question is what are the roles which are reporting to solution architect who you you are managing when you are sa mm-hmm. yeah from the in that mostly the uh, development team will be reporting to the solution architect but the business analyst uh, the infrastructure uh, those guys are from different teams but we are just working with them so in terms of reporting structure is will be mostly the development team as i have seen got it and how how is your regular coordination of developers look like what is your structure i don't know we may name it like weekly structure or daily structure what are the coordination measures you are taking or what are your regular meetings etc so how how do you coordinate your team yeah so from daily standups what we do is we try to understand how we are progressing with the solution development and to understand whether there are any blockers whether there are any technical support that's needed from maybe from the solution architect itself because he's the most senior guy and sometimes he might need to assist them to try to fix some code here and there to get things working uh so this stand ups help to get things moving smoothly uh so that's the main line of communication but apart from that uh you most of the time get distracted with uh, various different technical questions and <laughs> time got it good and then the next question i have to you is from stakeholder perspective uh if 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 we speak about i don't know business representatives or smes or bas uh are they part of your stand up i i doubt so but uh, still how do you co- collaborate with them is it on a ad hoc basis or it is also that you have some regular meetings with them as well mm, well actually that depends on which stage of the project you are in so in if you are at the very initial stages where you try to get uh, the 
understanding of the entire process, you might uh, contact them on a very regular basis, maybe on daily for a couple of hours to discuss the process and to clear out certain doubts based on what you gathered maybe in the morning or the day day before. Uh, so in in the initial phase, uh, phases, you will uh, very much communicate with the SMEs and the process owners quite a lot. But gradually when you are moving into the development, then there won't be much interaction with the SMEs. But instead, unless you want to actually uh, talk to them and get something sorted but but you will be talking with the uh, process owner from the client side because they also want to know how you are progressing and what sort of things that they can do to help you so what we usually do is we usually uh, do a uh, call at the beginning of the week and at the end of the week so on Monday and Friday for example so on Friday, we usually discuss what are the things that we have been doing and this is the status by the end of this week and this is what we are going to cover next week and the, if there are any blockers, uh, there is the list and likewise. On Monday, we'll be focusing on what we are doing this week and also uh, to discuss certain other things that are needed from their side on different clarifications and all those stuff because time to time we might need uh, help from them like so when it comes to these environments and setting up certain things with their ITs and all those policies uh, sometimes it can be quite challenging to get things done so there has to be a frequent follow-up on those things to get things moving smoothly so that the development team can continue with their work uh, without any interruptions so that's the usual pattern got it sir thanks thanks a lot for describing that and now we're getting to the second section of or the second category of work of social architect and i would say that quite important one uh, i'm interested how it is from your perception we're speaking about solution design documents so for our audience can you quickly tell what is solution design document? Yeah, solution design document is a very important document that you actually need to produce to the business at the end of the uh, development. So basically the purpose of that is to give them a very detailed understanding about the solution that you built. And that includes all the technical points, including the variable names and the arguments and all those stuff. So, uh, when it comes to the document, people follow different uh, document formats. Sometimes they try to split it into two, saying that this is the solution design document and this is the, uh, uh, there's another one called DSD, I can't remember the definition. Yeah, so, what they, why they split it is to, because uh, to get the high level structure in the solution design document and get the detailed things in the DSD, design specification document, sorry. Yeah, uh, because what they do with that is, 
they give it to their IT team so that they can go through it and understand the architecture behind it and when it comes to troubleshooting and so once everything is in production sometimes we can support them with these documents so that they can resolve certain things by themselves because with this document they know what's behind the code uh, so that level of understanding about our solution is uh, coming through the solution design doc so that's the main advantage and that basically includes the entire architecture the environments and the reusable components how the network communications is happening the detailed architecture diagrams of the solution if you are using the orchestrator what are the things you are using in the orchestrator and how the communication is happening what packages you are using basically almost everything so that's why it's very much important when this document is being created uh, do you usually create it while developing before development or on the end of development um well I have seen couple of approaches. Uh, so sometimes people tend to ask this document before you start the development. And for a solution architect, that might be a little bit challenging because there's no solution there, but you're supposed to give the solution to them with all those arguments and all those stuff. So that uh, sometimes it depends on the client as well. But most of the time what I have seen is that you provide it or you actually develop it. Some parts of the document you can uh, complete before starting the development. But some of the parts like, uh, like the solution, uh, the arguments, the variables on the workflow structures and all those things, that can be done while the development is going on. <coughs> not at the very beginning stages parallel to the development but maybe towards the latter part of it because then most other things are already confirmed and you know that it's going to be there uh, and at the end uh, you will hand it over to them to get it uh, signed off by the IT team um, and that's mainly with the UAT faces. Got it, understood. And now question is, whenever there is a process to be automated, as I understand you as a solution architect always create this uh, solution design document, right? So if there are three processes to be developed, you have three developers in a team, you would be the one who creates solution design documents for all uh, three solutions, even if someone else will be developing it. Does it happen in your practice that more than one person is working on the same solution? or usually it is one-to-one -one relationship? Um, so in our case, most of the time, there are multiple developers working on that solution and the solution architect will be the guy who is laying down the entire design and who is creating this document. So the architect will have the entire solution in his mind and the developers has to understand his image in his mind and develop that. 
Okay. And how do you transfer this mind? Because it is quite hard to imagine what's in your mind, right? So how do you transfer those, uh, this information? Do you, do you communicate about this in a daily standup? You are communicating it yet on a draft level, like from, from your mind, or you have the document ready when you are jumping into those standups? Yeah, that's a good question. So this again comes back to the point that I mentioned where that you actually complete certain steps at uh, before uh, come starting the development. So before you start the development as the architect, you have to have the de very detailed entire solution design in documented somewhere so that people can review it. Basically your developers. So that by looking at it, they can understand that what's what you have in your mind. So basically that detailed document will actually so what I used to do is I used to draw this in the very detailed form where we can break it down into the very workflow level. Uh, so that the developer who is looking at it without knowing what what's inside my head he can just follow it and try to understand that this is what this guy is trying to build uh, and once you are done with that uh, then I create another document because I do the diagram to the workflow level I'm, I have the understanding of what sort of input arguments can go in and what sort of output arguments can come in and how they are relating to other workflows and how those are passed from beginning to end of the entire solution. So that document is then created for each and every workflow and that mapping is also created so that by going through those two, uh, any developer can understand that this is what we are going to build. And then once we do that, uh, we do go for a team discussion then I present this is my solution for this problem and this is the arguments and all those things and this is what you guys are going to build and if they have any questions we can discuss and sometimes with these questions there can be slight modifications because the other guys can also have much better thoughts around certain things so likewise we can also improve the design and we can uh, give the initial idea that this is how it's going to be. Understood. Good. And then we are starting to speak a little bit about you. You were mentioning arguments. You were mentioning workflows, etc. I would like to speak a little bit about the reusability. So definitely you don't build all the workflows from scratch and especially you were also a contributor in a marketplace. So you know that we can reuse a lot of things we built once. How does it work for you in terms of reusability? How you ensure that you don't build the modules twice? How do you reuse modules? And here I'd be curious about both internally developed and also available on marketplace. So what is the sequence you follow to ensure that you don't do the work which was probably done already by someone? That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new. Don't forget to visit our web automationimpact.io and share this episode on social media. It helps to grow and develop the podcast. Thank you.